Salvete omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 11b, Aeneid Book 2, Lines 40 to 56. In this episode, you will learn that Laocoon is totally right about everything, but that it will make no difference because fate. Primus ib antomnes magna comitante caterva laacoan ardens summa decurit ab arce et procul. O miseri quae tant insania quives, creditis avectos hostes, aut ulla putatis, dona carrera dolis danaum signotus ulixes, aut hoc inclusi ligno cultantur aquivi, aut haec in nostros fabricates machina moros, inspectura domos ventura quae de super urbi, Aut aliquis latet error, equo ne credite tucri, quid quidid est timeodanos et dona ferentes. Sic fatus validis ingentim viribus hastam, in latus inquetheri curvam compagibus aluum contorsit, stetit illa tremens uteroque recuso, in sonuera cavae gemitumque dedere cavernae. Et si fata deum si mens non laiva fuiset, Impularat ferrar golicas foidare latebras, Troiaque nunc staret, priemi quarks alta maneris. Then first, before them all, with a great crowd accompanying him, Laocoon, burning, runs down from the highest citadel and at a distance says, O wretched citizens, what so great madness! Do you believe that the enemy has been carried off, or do you think that any gift of the Greeks is lacking deceit? Is Ulysses known in this way? Either Greeks are hidden and closed in the wood, or this machine has been built against our walls, intending to look down upon our homes and to come down upon the city from above, or some other trick lies hidden. Do not trust the horse, Teucrians. Whatever it is, I fear Greeks, even bearing gifts. Thus having spoken, with powerful strength he hurled a huge spear into the flank and into the belly of the beast, curved with joints. It stood there trembling, and from the struck womb the hollow cavities resounded and gave a groan. And if the fates of the gods, if our mind had not been unfavorable, he would have driven us to defile the Argolican hiding places with iron, and Troy would now stand, and you, lofty citadel of Priam, would remain. Book 2 of the Aeneid relates Aeneas's telling of the fall of Troy. It begins with the construction of the wooden horse, and where we start the AP Latin lines, the Greek army has left the horse on the beach and has sailed their fleet behind the island of Tenedos, a couple miles off the coast of Troy, where they are lying in wait. The Trojans have come out to inspect the horse, and the opinion is divided as to what should be done with it, when Laocoon offers his sage advice. In his speech, Laocoon references Ulysses, Odysseus in Greek. He was the cleverest and craftiest of the Greek warlord kings who fought at Troy, and so, when Laocoon asks the Trojans if they have known Ulysses to act like this, he is really saying, when does Ulysses not have tricks up his sleeve? In this passage, Virgil uses several different words to describe the hollow space inside the horse. In addition to alvum, belly, and kawai kawernai, hollow caverns, Virgil also uses the word utero, womb. 
This word choice creates an interesting image as the wooden horse becomes pregnant. However, the horse will give birth to death rather than life as the Greek soldiers inside the horse will spell doom for the city of Troy. Finally, this section of lines brings up the role of fate in the lives of the Trojans. Fate, destiny, and the like are regular thematic elements that show up in most Greco-Roman epics, not just the Aeneid. The role of fate and destiny in the Aeneid seems to be that of a master over everything, even the gods as Juno is powerless to stop Aeneas' fated destiny to reach Italy, even if she can delay it for a while and make Aeneas' life as miserable as possible along the way. So Aeneas implies that the reason the Trojans didn't recognize the danger of the horse is because fate was against them and taking away their ability to think rationally, even as Laocoon gave his persuasive speech and proved the horse was hollow with his spear. This section still leaves up in the air the ultimate decision about the horse, with the crowd still divided. There is no need, however, for Virgil to leave the section as a cliffhanger, because we already know what happens to Troy, both because of general knowledge about the events and because we started in the middle of Aeneas' wanderings and have already seen and heard that Troy was destroyed, we don't have to worry about spoilers. So Virgil uses this passage to do some neat playing with perspective. Aeneas is telling the story of the fall of Troy to Dido, but in his telling he is also reflecting on those events, interjecting his own evaluation from his present time as he looks back on what happened in the past. Virgil starts creating this distinction through conditional clauses. He begins in the pluperfect subjunctive, using what is called a contrary-to-fact past conditional statement, emphasizing past actions and past results. If fate had not been against us in the past, then we would have destroyed the horse in the past. Then halfway through, he switches to the imperfect subjunctive, changing the conditional construction to what is called a contrary-to-fact present, and moving the relative time to Aeneas' present rather than past actions. Troy would now be standing in the present. The citadels of Priam would remain in the present. All of these are contrary-to-fact conditions, meaning that we know that none of these things actually happened, but the effect of the mixed tenses is to emphasize Aeneas' regret at what happened, his bitterness towards fate, and his longing for a home now all helping to increase our pathos for Aeneas. This and other similar techniques, Virgil will continue to use as Aeneas tells more of the story, looking back on the past from the present. From here, the AP section will jump ahead about 150 lines. In those lines, the Trojans discover a Greek man named Sinon, who tells them a sad story about how he was supposed to be a human sacrifice from the Greeks to ensure a safe voyage home, since they had decided to leave after building the horse as a gift to Minerva, but that he had escaped at the last minute, and that the Greeks have definitely gone home, there aren't any of them hiding inside the horse, and their fleet isn't waiting behind that island just a couple miles offshore, and that he really is an escaped sacrifice and definitely not an actor trying to convince them that the Greeks are gone, and that they really should believe him because his sad story is sad. The Trojan king Priam believes him and offers him asylum, and Sinon's story sways the Trojans' opinions about the horse, leading to another episode with Laocoon that will solidify the Trojans' decision to bring the horse into the city, which we will see next time. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. One of the first words used by Aeneas to describe the priest Laocoon is Ardens. What is its meaning in this context? In lines 42-49, to Laocoon addresses the people of Troy. Is this a rhetorically compelling speech? What reason does Aeneas give for why the Trojans were not completely convinced by Laocoon's speech and actions? What role does fate play inside of the Aeneid? 
How does Virgil use a mixed conditional statement to distinguish the Trojan perspective at the time of the horse from Aeneas's perspective as he looks back on the events? The English sections following this passage present the famous deception of the Trojans by Sinon to bring the wooden horse into the city. How does Sinon's deception and betrayal compare to that of Ambiorix against Sabinus and Cata? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete.